Finally saw Cocaine Bear, Rob. You did? I did. Do tell. With my mom. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I was down visiting her this past weekend, and I, I was uh, building her a dog crate, like one of the furniture dog crates. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this, we're watching Cocaine Bear. And she's like, oh, this is going to be weird. And by the end of it, she's like, that was really good. <laughs> so Greg's mom approves? Uh, it's Greg. Uh, yeah. Cocaine Bear, Greg's mom approved. I don't know if it's her favorite movie, but she she said she thought it was going to be way weirder than it is. It's really actually straightforward. It, it, it's so much fun. It's, it's very just, it's very fun. It's just a ridiculous romp, and it's just fun from start to finish. Did you catch who the little boy was? No. He's the little boy from Sweet Tooth. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not catch that. I would not have caught that had I not been like literally watching it and then watching the new season of Sweet Tooth like afterwards. Which we have to review at some point. I'm just not done with it yet. So. I have finished it. Oh. Nice. I'm still on like episode four. So it'll be there. Anyway, uh, we are, uh, you're well, listening we, to the B5 we, podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Before you, before you push through that, what was your favorite part? Of what? Of Cocaine Bear? Yeah. Was there a <sighs> scene that made you almost pee your pants? I don't think, I don't think so. I don't know. My absolute favorite scene was the ambulance. Oh yeah, I mean that. Oh, where the thing like comes through the back. Yeah, it chases them down and shit. I, I just died laughing. I thought that was so. Hilarious. I was concerned. I was very concerned for the little bears. The slow mo dive into the back of the ambulance was just amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and of course, when he does the line off the leg that he chewed off the guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I really like the scene where the one dude was on top of the gazebo. Um, just because I like the actors involved, but mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, it's Give Me Five podcast, uh, and uh, you're listening to that. That's you. You are listening to Give Me Five podcast. You've said it 300 times, and I still messed it up. Uh, brought to you Pretty by surprised. the Give Me Five patrons. Uh, one of them here right now, literally. Hi, Give Me Five patron. Hello, Give Me Five podcast. Excellent. You are. Uh, you're seeing how Give the sausage is made, and it's not pretty. Uh, it's nice sausage. Thank you, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, which remind, which which reminds me, I should turn off my camera. I was talking to Rob. Oh, he should turn off his camera too, then. Yeah, that's right. Oh, damn it! How is he gonna see the sausage being made? <laughs> yeah, well. podcast a semi-entertaining show about uh very entertaining things uh this uh we're we're gonna do some cool stuff here we we've had to make some changes just for this episode um but we are actually gonna have this is actually can be considered a side a episode because our next episode will be a side b episode because we are going to do a curated episode by alec but we invited him on early uh just to talk about stuff and because uh one of our hosts is currently uh indisposed got arrested apparently we'll find out why in a second my name is Harry, and I'm do- joined by Dan. Hey, I'm and Dan. Chris- and Christine. Hi. <laughs> you could be Roz or uh, Selma. Roz, Roz is awesome. Roz is, is awesome. Uh, this week, 
we're talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, we're going to talk about the Apple Plus series Silo and the movie Air, which I believe is going to hit streaming soon. See um, uh, Air Jordan story. Yeah, May 12th. May 12th. Uh, pay, pay-per-view, or is it actually on one of the services? Amazon. So it's free. It's free if you're, if you have, if you're a Prime member. I am a Prime member. That's happening. Uh, oh, there's going to be a book, too. Deliver Me From Nowhere. That sounds deep and introspective. Um, so we'll have to see if we can find a way to make penis jokes in that, like we are able to make in front of everything else. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I can find a way. Okay, yeah, just start. I would take out a piece of paper and start writing them down now just in case. When there's there a dick, go. there's always a way. Yes. That's right. Exactly. Uh, so, so we are going to review shit and put in dick jokes wherever we think they fit. Ah, see what oh. I did there? <laughs> uh. <laughs> but we'll probably spoil some stuff, like everything that we talk about with dick jokes. We'll try to avoid major twists, but again, if we're talking about something you haven't seen or read or listened to yet, you might want to use your own discretion and come back later. Your your dick is small, so that, I mean, sorry, your dick jokes are small, so they always fit, Rob. Oh. Uh, news. Doesn't stop you from choking on them. I've seen people choke on a piece of rice, so it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, so let, let's get to some news here. Um, go ahead with the, the less exciting news. Or it's not exciting, the less... Uh, Scandalous. I was like, you shut your mouth! Less... Uh, I I came across two, uh, two trailers today. Uh, one was for a new HBO Max animated series called Secrets of the Mogwai. And yes, it is about Gremlins. It's about uh, Gizmo, and it does star the animated voices of James Hong, uh, Ming-Na Wen, and a couple others. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, this this doesn't look terrible. I, I might watch this. I'm not sure that I'm a fan of the animation style, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Is that that like, kind of shaded-looking anima- animated style? Where it's um... Like- no, it's kind of like the the raw CG animated. It it doesn't have like all of the details of the CG, but it's kind of angular and it's a little raw. It's kind of like it's kind of like the um the Spider-Verse cartoon just without all the blurry lines that give me a headache. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah. And a little bit more angulated slash cartoony. Okay, I'm seeing. Very they they definitely leaned into the eyes. Yeah, yeah, so this is kind of what I was talking about. It reminds me a little bit of there was a couple Christmas movies on Netflix a few years back um, that looked they yeah. they kind of mimicked the uh, like what a Christmas card would look like almost mm-hmm. and and this yeah I can oh, this looks pretty fun. So I will probably check that out at some point. Uh, who would win? But, who would win? Uh, Gizmo or Baby Yoda or Grogu? They kind of same general idea. Yeah, I, right I would now, I, I think, would pay money to see them fight. I think Grogu. Yeah, he'd probably he would probably rip the Mogwai in half. But the next one that I saw, um, the Meg, <laughs> and this movie looks absolutely ridiculous, and I'm definitely gonna see it. I kind of want to pull out the screen you, and watch the Meg one in the pool. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen the trailer for it, just Google trailer Meg 2 and you'll come across it. 
for for some odd reason. I think it's just a storytelling thing in the beginning, but you know, there's there's a giant shark, there's a T-Rex. Um there's there's like really weird looking um carnivorous uh animals almost like velociraptors but not quite like little sharp-toothed lizards. And um, they almost look like Komodo dragons. And then, of course, you've got Jason Statham riding a jet ski with a fucking samurai sword. But And this just looks ridiculous, and I have to see it. Let me ask you this, though. Does it have Michael Caine and Mario Van Peebles in it? Should. Is it, it, it. If it doesn't, it should, just to make it better. Exactly. No, It won't live up to Jaws 4, is my point. Well, let's 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 not get crazy. Let, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you might recognize that we're hearing a different voice here. Oh no, wait! Actually, we're, we're not doing that part yet. I forgot about the other thing. Uh, there is a writer strike going on. That's why we're all over the place on this episode because our writers have all quit. They're on strike. That's we'll just say that. We'll pretend like we have an entire team of writers that come up with this crap instead of just you know me on my lunch break. And Rob, whenever he finds time. Uh, so anyway, there is a writer's strike going on. It is the Writers Guild of America. That means that any TV show, movie, streaming, anything like that is um, currently on strike. The last, the la- It's the first strike in 15 years. Uh, that is, there's 11,000 members of this. And after on May 2nd, uh, after negotiations failed, there were six weeks of negotiations, they could not agree with the uh, AMPTP. On, for their next contract, uh, there are a lot of writers who are creating all of this content that uh, they're basically still on. They're not getting paid enough to even like live. They're like literally writing shows that have won Academy Awards that are making millions of dollars, and then they're going to work at like you know Best Buy afterwards. Um, as a result, the it has not so like just. I, I kind of agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, especially when you compare like what the writers are getting made um, compared to like what the executives are getting made, it's paltry. Um, mm-hmm. Like and and as the pay has raised for all the CEOs and the the uh, managers or whatever they would call them, the the executives will say as that has gone up and the writers have gone down by fourteen percent. In fact, it actually, the weekly pay has declined by 23% at the same time as the CEO pay has gone up by about $250 million. Did did you see, um, you you both like the bear, correct? Or I know you did great. So um, one of the writers on the bear who actually won an award recently, he had to go to the ceremony. He was, his bank account negative, had a rent, I think his bow tie uh, and basically is applying for jobs at movie theaters and bartending. And this is a guy who wrote, you know, on a Emmy winning or Emmy nominated and all these award winning different branches, you know, TV show. And they basically contracted him for nine weeks. And meanwhile, that show has huge streaming numbers that he's not seen, you know, anything for. So it, mm-hmm. it's, 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 important. they're not asking for, they're not asking for anything crazy at all. They're asking uh, for what I have two percent of like what the executives are getting, and you know to to make really bad decisions like uh, be the head of HBO Max and decide to drop HBO from the name. Yeah, yeah. When you said HBO Max, I was going to mention that because it's now just called Max. Yeah, 
which is weird. Uh, I did see another number just to kind of put this into perspective. It's really there's only eight entertainment companies now, really, mm-hmm. that are kind of in charge of all of this. It's so it's um, I guess HBO, Paramount, Netflix, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Peacock. And if you take NBC. Peacock, well, it's just NBC Universal. I don't know what the, the other ones are, but either way, you take those eight CEOs and add up their salary. Um, it's it, and what the writers are asking for. Every single writer in America wants that for three years, and it doesn't. Or sorry, if you ta- if you add up all of the numbers of the executives for one year, it doesn't even cl- come close to amounting to what the writers are asking for for three years. So eleven thousand people. It's crazy. Um, and I get that a bad CEO can ruin a company, but I don't know if a good CEO, for example, the head of Netflix, earned $40.8 million last year. And is, um, he's just the asshole who won't do a Mindhunter season three, so I don't think he's that yeah. smart. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, I'm rewatching Mindhunter right now. So am I. My wife. It's so good. It is. My wife hadn't seen it, and she's loving it. That's, that's funny. We're living the same life. We my are. wife, too. My wife accidentally got herself into true crime, which is a big problem. It's oh. like, you know, when when someone that you, like, hang out with or love or whatever, and all of a sudden they get into something that you're already into, and it's like, what did you just say? What are you watching? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Let me show you just how scary I actually am. <laughs> it, well, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely having a negative effect. I mean, at the middle of the night, she's she's thinking she hears things, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sad that they didn't get into season three of that. But, uh, um, this kills me. So this, of course, what it means for us is that there's going to be a lot of shows that uh, are on hiatus. It's going to definitely postpone the Stranger Things because all the Stranger Things actors and uh, crew has decided to join them. So they're they're done. Um, all of the late night talk shows have also decided to join. I believe the Bear um, have decided to join well, the strike. They finished season two already, so that they got yeah. Yeah. You know, so, that, but it'll affect any. You'd be very stupid to try to work on a TV show or a movie right now where writing happens all the time on the set. Like just because you have a script, nobody ever just goes by the complete script. They do rewrites all the time. So anything that you watch that didn't stop is going to suck. Now I would think it might be interesting. There are some of these TV shows that they canceled them before the seasons ever aired and movies and stuff like that. I'm wondering if it gets, I mean, I hope it doesn't get that far. But if it gets to that point, like Scoob Two exists, it's it's mm-hmm. done. Batgirl, Batgirl, it exists, it's done. So if these if these companies might, it's stuff that we never thought we'd see, but they might be like, well, you know, we have nothing to put on. Let's just put this on. So yeah. it might be kind of an interesting. Didn't it, didn't Batgirl like get shelved for uh, tax purposes? Yes. Yeah. So did Scoob Two. So did Scoob Two. Yeah. So can they just go back and pull it out and use it? I don't think so because. The write-offs that they got... They, I, they would have to pay back the yeah. taxes. Like, it, it's not illegal to do it, but they would have to go... It would be like, okay, well, you were able to write off $100,000 in taxes. So so they would. what would probably happen is they wouldn't use it themselves. They would sell it to someone who was desperate and then take that money and pay, pay the taxes on it. So, who knows? Uh, so... That is the big thing. So if we all of a sudden are, are reviewing like you know reality TV shows or wrestling episodes, you'll know why. Mm. So that's that. Uh, okay. So we, as you are noticing, you are not hearing one of our normal voices. You're hearing. You're not hearing Omar. You're hearing Alec. 
which is fine. And we think we know why. We think we know why. We're not entirely sure. But then I saw this story of a Florida man watched adult films in public with a speaker at full volume. Uh, yes, uh, this happened in the Palms of Clearwater Development mm-hmm. on a lovely Sunday night. You know, I like Sunday night. It sucks that you got you know, work the next day and all, but the sun is going down. You're like, you know, I'm going to spend some time out by the pool. And so was Christopher Harris, a 51-year-old resident of the Palm. He decided to put on a solo performance, as it says in this article, <laughs> by the poolside using his, uh, I guess, phone and speakers. And, like, it looks like it was an actual speaker, right? Um, yeah, with the yeah, speaker. I think. Like, it was no, like I a, think, yeah, I it think it was. It's like a Bluetooth speaker, even. Yeah. I can't get my Bluetooth speaker to work, like, when I'm trying to get it. When I'm, I don't know, when I'm trying to listen to music, much less that. Uh, anyway, so uh, he was doing that. Of course, probably parents were moving their children away from him and probably being like, hey, what's this weirdo doing? And laughing about it at first. Uh, but then he decided to pull his pants down and begin to uh, masturbate to... The pornographic video at the pool, um, as per the arrest affidavit, he was found to have connected a Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, there's a Bluetooth speaker to the video and started playing it aloud while engaging in self-gratification near the pool. Um, let's see. As police proceeded to apprehend him, he admitted he was playing with himself and said that he, when he gets intoxicated, he does stupid things. <laughs> so maybe it says his name is Harris. Uh, we don't know if, you know. If he has another name, I think um, Omar's middle name is Harris. It might be. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah, he did get arrested on a misdemeanor charge for exposing his sexual organs to the public. Um, yeah, I have on multiple occasions. It's never been with porn, but um, I have, in fact, been watching a like video or something, like a, a trailer, actually, and being like, "Where the hell is my audio?" And it turns out that it is actually still attached to the Bluetooth speaker out by the pool. Hmm. Um, or in the or in the kitchen or something like that, and I'll be like, "What is wrong with my phone?" And then it occurs to me, "Oh, it's going through the speaker." Thankfully, never with porn. It sounds like you're trying to prepare your alibi for when this does eventually happen. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was watching the Meg Two trailer, uh, but it said it was, uh, you know, uh, college sorority girls in trouble or something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess actually, if they're if they would just be sorority girls in trouble because if they're in a sorority, they have to be in college. So you don't have to say college. So just sorority girls in trouble. Jason Statham's not holding the samurai sword in that one. So he's holding something. Uh, this is not the first time this dude has had a run-in with the law, by the way. He has been convicted in the past for criminal mischief and battery. Just a different type of battery. Speaking of battery, wow, there's something going on in your background. <laughs> oh, it's my kids. Yes. I should not be up right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can just, just, make, just make sure you're not watching anything on your Bluetooth speaker. No. If they are, if they are still awake. Nothing on the Bluetooth, just craziness in the background. Yeah. Oh, I forgot the other news story. It's a music story. Music story. Oh. Yeah. But you have to pretend to be Omar. Yeah. I will but, do my best. No, actually, this one is more for you. Oh. Country. It is. Um, the track list. So, um, if you guys remember, uh, Dolly Parton basically said, uh, "Oh, who's that?" Dolly Parton, one of the most wonderful Americans that has ever lived. Love her. Sarcastic. I know, I know. Uh, so she got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but she said, and not because she was being rude, she was like, please don't vote me in because I'm not a rock star and you're taking away from someone else. But everyone was like, no, screw that. You're awesome. So she said, okay, you're going to put me in. I'm going to release 
a uh, a rock album. The track list came out for this rock album. It is four vinyls or whatever CD, whatever. Um, so listen to this track list. It's it's cover songs mostly. Uh, rock star is the first song, which is a real song, which is her song uh, with guest special guest guitarist Richie Sambora from bon the guitarist from Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every breath you take featuring Sting. Open Arms, featuring Steve Perry, who is the original singer from Journey, Open Arms, a Journey song. Steve Perry has not sung uh, with Journey in – in fact, he even when they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he did not join them on stage. Uh, Magic Man, um, featuring Ann Wilson. No, uh, no, no. Oh. Hart. Or, oh, uh, right. It's Hart. Nancy Wilson? Uh, Ann Wilson is Ann the Wilson. sister, so Ann Wilson. Okay. And Howard Lease, who is the keyboardist in Hart. Uh, as Long As I Can See the Light, featuring John Fogarty. Uh, I Want You Back with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. What – what has rock and roll ever done for you? Featuring there you go, Stevie Nicks, <laughs> uh, a solo cover of Purple Rain. Ooh. Ooh, baby, I love your way. Featuring v- Peter Frampton. I hate myself for loving you with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Night moves with Chris Stapleton, who's apparently one of the one, a phenomenal guitarist. Which I need to listen to more of his stuff. Apparently, um, yeah. uh, Wrecking Ball featuring her step uh, no goddaughter Miley Cyrus. I Can't Get No Satisfaction fe- featuring Pink and Brandy Carlisle. Um, Heart of Glass with Debbie Harry. Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me with Elton John. Uh, Melissa Etheridge tried to, tried to rock and roll me. Stairway to Heaven with Lizzo and Sasha Flute. Uh, we Are the Champions by Herself. Bygones featuring Rob Halford, who's the lead singer of uh, Judas Priest. And Nikki Six, who's the bass player from Motley Crue. And John Five, who is um, the second guitarist from Marilyn Manson band. He's awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard John Five solo stuff, but he's... Yeah. He's an amazing guitarist, but he also has a um, – he does, like, a lot of that Spanish, like, flamenco guitar. Okay. It's, like, really yeah. fast. It's really good. My Blue Tears featuring Simon Le Bon, Duran Duran. What's up? The hey, 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 hey song, which I hated, but um, with Lim- Linda Perry, who wrote that song. Hmm. You're No Good with Emmy Lou Harris and Cheryl Crow. Heartbreaker featuring Pat Benatar. Bittersweet, Michael McDonald. I Dreamed About Elvis with Ronnie McDowell and the Jordanaires. I don't know who that is. Um, but – the two big ones are track number 29 and track 30. Track number 29 is Let It Be with the remaining members of the Beatles. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. And the ones that weren't there are being replaced by Peter Frampton and Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. And the last track is Free Bird featuring the remaining members of Leonard Skinner. Um, I never thought that I would actually pre-order a Dolly Parton album. I have, even though I like her and I like the stuff she does for for kids and stuff. Uh, I am pre-ordering this album. I don't I don't think I've ever heard anything bad about Dolly Parton. Yeah. I can't even like try to make something up. And she's like, been around forever. We we uh there was remember that joke we were doing where like we we should have done a top 5 list about like which celebrities would be you be most surprised if they were actually serial killer. Mm-hmm. Or uh, actually they're the least surprised. Dolly Parton would actually be the most surprised if she was actually a serial killer. This is true. But how much cooler would that? No, (laughs) (laughs) like where they have the like backyard cordoned off in like Dollywood, like Mm -hmm. it's got so they can like dig for bones. Like we found one. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You'll never take me alive, coppers. So uh, Dolly Parton (laughs) is awesome. American Treasure, and I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna listen to hell out of that album. Okay, now we're gonna like do actual stuff here. Actual stuff. Yes. See, that, was, that wasn't too painful, Rob, because there was, there was no. music, but it was like your music, and you recognized almost every song I mentioned. So, okay, so uh, we're going to probably end with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three because that's a mm-hmm. big one. 
Okay. You know, let's should we put Alec on the spot and make him talk about the book? Yeah, let's hear about Alec's book. All right. Ready? Yeah. All right. So uh, the book I'm going to review is called Deliver Me From Nowhere, which is a book by Warren Zanes that was released on May 2nd of this year. And the book details the making of the album by Bruce Springsteen uh, called Nebraska, which is a very popular album in a much different way than most of his other work. Nebraska, uh, basically it came out in 1982 and it was right after he... Bruce Springsteen came on the scene in 73 and from 73 to 80, he put out five albums and slowly kind of ascended to by 1980, he had his first top 10 single. He had an album that hit number one on the charts and it looked like he was getting ready to be the biggest star in the world. And they weren't wrong. He ended up, you know, becoming really big, but not as quickly as, as it could have been. Uh, instead of putting out born in the USA in 1982, um, which he did have recorded, at least some of the songs from that album, he kind of got taken on a different path. He he did something that was pretty, I'm trying to think of the right word, but uh, monumental for the time period in, in some ways that, that have uh, resonated for a lot of other artists since. He got some type of recorder. He, I, I've read something, not this book, but I've heard about it. I think it was like the word they used was counterintuitive. Yes, yes. He... Um, he basically it was by accident and ended up but ended up becoming so important he was in a different frame of mind um which i'll get into in a second but uh he basically recorded all these songs uh these very uh very different songs than he had recorded before they were different stories very dark stories i mean the main the main um the album the title track on the album nebraska is about charles starkweather who uh went on a murder spree in 1956 or something, killed 10 people. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Badlands by uh, Terrence Malick, that's what it's based on. So it's that kind of album. It's got very heavy themes, and it's about a lot of people in bad situations, which I think is the the point was he was thinking about his childhood, and so his childhood had some different issues with it. But more than that, it was just the state of the, the country and the state of how things have always been. There's always been winners and losers in this in this country. Um, so he records this album, takes it to the band, E Street Band. They try recording it, and Bruce feels like he's losing his, his character's voices. So he puts it out, the album, exactly as he recorded in his house. Mistakes and all. Just puts it out there. Here he is. Sony is... You know, Columbia Records is waiting for him to, to come through with his next big album. Instead, he says, no, I'm going to put this out. And he, I'm not going to tour behind it. I'm not going to do any interviews, no press. I just want to put it out there, let the audience decide, you know, what it should or shouldn't be. And it ended up being a solid success uh, sales-wise, considering there was a, this is just an acoustic album. You know, it's got, you know, a guitar, harmonica, glockenspiel, stuff like that. That's it. Uh, but more than that, it um, got amazing reviews and has resonated and apparently influenced a ton of punk rockers and alternative rockers who couldn't find their way in the music industry. You know, everything had to be big and extravagant. And here was, here was this huge star. At the time, he was already selling out arenas. So even though he had just become financially solvent in 1980, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, um, he... Uh, 
he he basically took a big risk and it, you know and said you know I'm not going to put out what what ended up being become one of the biggest albums of all time and when he put it out in '84 he took this detour and stayed true to himself which I think as a huge Springsteen fan I've always admired about him is that he he's not just trying to make hits he's putting out what he th- thinks is important what he thinks he's just being honest to himself and by that he's being honest to his fans but this album or i'm sorry this book goes into his mind frame which apparently he you know bruce has admitted in the past few years that he struggled with depression that he's been in therapy for a long time that he's on medication and this was kind of the start of him basically when he wasn't in front of a crowd when he wasn't on tour which from 73 to 80 he was constantly on the road so here he was he took this big break after like early 81 and he didn't know what to do with himself i think it uh he had to kind of reflect on where he was in his life he was in his early 30s wasn't married didn't have kids didn't have a lot of friends that weren't a part of what he was doing on a daily basis and then on top of that he was dealing with some of the things from his childhood that he tried to probably forget about or you know sometimes when you get older you start thinking more about stuff that happened when you were younger so it was, the book is about that as well, as, as well as, you know, it goes, they interview a lot of people like uh, different punk band members. Um, Roseanne Cash is, is in there, you know, Johnny Cash's daughter, because apparently it was a big influence on her as well. But I, as a huge Springsteen fan, it, what I'm amazed by is there's so much stuff written about him. And he even did his own autobiography. And I'm still learning new things by reading this book. Uh so it's uh if you're if you're interested at all, obviously if you're a Springsteen fan, the book is a must buy. But even more so, just a lot of people who don't even love his music because maybe it's not their style. Nebraska has been the album that they'll cling to. Like everybody, kind of can agree that that's an amazing album. It's it's a uh, it's, it's you know it's you don't have to like Born to Run to like Nebraska basically. Um, so it was cool to see to read about it from a. The, the author used to be a musician. He was in um, a band called the Del Fuegos. So he, he's got his own spin on it. I remember this. You, okay, so you, yeah. Them. So he, it was cool to see his... Were they from that era which where like everyone was wearing sh- uh, like shiny shirts with like flames embroidered on it? Like It sounds like, guy, it sounds like that. I, I don't know, yeah. but I, I wouldn't be I'm, surprised. I'm pretty... Sh- like Guy Fieri shirts. Yeah. It sounds about right with that name too. But they... um. So he has a lot of insight into music, you know, me being a musician anyway. So it's just, I don't know, I'm, I haven't finished it yet. I'm almost finished, but it's, it's been my favorite book I've read in a long time. I'm going to have to read that first of all. Second of all, uh, you mentioned, of course, the, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Starkweather case. Yes. Um, there was uh, just another podcast. I think it's morbid, the podcast morbid, um, that just did a little thing about them or maybe last podcast on the left, one of the two. Uh, the woman, there was a part of this that you didn't mention, and that was that when he did all the killings, yes, uh, he was doing it with his 14 year old girlfriend. Correct. Um, this is one of the so, like, uh, Rob, because you don't really follow this stuff because for um, you because you kind of live it. Um, you know, like, well, there was that thing of like the back in the 50s of like the greasers and like, oh, they're gonna they're hoodlums and they're going around and you know, cruising and murdering people and doing drugs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. This is kind of where it came from. Because he like he was like kind of a a greaser type, mm-hmm. um, but oh, okay. his girl his fourteen year old girlfriend was um, Carol Ann Claire still alive. Um, she did go to jail for first degree murder, but got released in the seventies. 
and she is still still around out there. She still um, proclaims her innocence, or at least she that, was, you know she was forced into it by an older person because he was like in his twenties, and he killed her parents and her, her he killed her stepfather, stepfather and her mother and then the infant um i think she had an infant sibling that he they killed as well yeah and it's it's awful like there's no reason at all this woman should be out uh like if you're even if you're 14 years old if you if you uh you know don't if you don't consider killing a like a crying baby wrong then that's a problem yeah so um anyway uh I'm interested about that book, and I should. I, I really need to listen to that album more. I, I have listened to it a couple times while I was listening while I was reading the the biography. Actually, if there was ever an album that Rob might like from Bruce Springsteen, it would be that one because it's got a country feel to it. Hmm. Uh, nice. So I'm gonna. I guess I can talk now. Or wait, Rob, do you have anything else to sneak in there? No, you've got um, Guardians. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How many accidental? That's what she said. Uh, jokes can we make tonight? Um, so yeah, do the silo. What you there's you're specifically talking about um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's something else, right? Silo, I think he's talking about. No, silo is me. Oh, silo is you. Yeah, no, I just have Guardians. Okay, so I'll do Silo. Do Silo. Uh, speaking of people that should um, die, uh, many many years ago, wow. uh, my my child was I think I don't know two or three. Um, wait, wait, wait. Did you just say nah, just hold on, people just, who yeah, should die wait, and then talk wait. about your child? No, I'm just saying that I'm just setting the t- setting the time period. My child was fine. Uh, I went to uh, a restaurant, Longhorn, and I put my backpack hidden in my car, and there were people in my car that moved it so they could see it. Someone smashed my windows and stole my backpack. The reason why I'm telling you this is because in my backpack was my Kindle, which had a book I was reading, but... I didn't know the title of the book because it was um, sent to me via like uh, like a PDF kind of thing. Mm. So I couldn't go and like go to like Amazon and reorder it or anything like that. So I didn't know. But I remembered and I remembered what it was about and I remembered a couple things. It was called Wool W O O L. It was one of those like self published books that someone was like, "Oh, you should check this out," because the person had sent out um, like copies, which I ended up with. So. Wool is Silo. It's actually one of the books of the Silo bit. It, they kind of have changed it around. I think it used to be called the Wool Trilogy, but then I think they switched it to the Silo Trilogy. But basically, it is the tale of a very large silo built underground in the future. And there are – and there's a bunch of people there uh, with their – each one of them has their own – their job and their own uh, station in life, and they kind of can't change and all that stuff. And when I saw the Silo show, I, I actually saw it, an ad for it. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. It's on Apple TV. Uh, I guess I should do all of our normal stuff here. You know, like our, uh, it's on Apple TV. It uh, premiered on May 5th, <clears throat> starring Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Ian Glenn, Will Patton, Fernand Kingsley, Caitlin Zaz, Tim Robbins, Shane McRae, Angela Yeo. There's someone else in there that I recognized. Um, it was also a big star, but it's we didn't copy it, but... Uh, the synopsis, men and women live in a giant silo underground with several regulations, which they believe are in place to protect them from the toxic, um, you're clicking the pen. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) The toxic and ruined world on the surface where this, where all these zombies live. I, they have not really gotten to any sort of zombies. They think it's, um, you know, the air is just toxic. Um, so the first two episodes are out. I started watching this and it is... A plus, excellent, wonderful. When I started watching it last night, and I got to, 
I didn't think to look at my phone once. It was riveting the whole way through. Uh, when I got to the end of episode two, I looked, it was like two o'clock or so, and I wanted episode three right then and there, which isn't out yet. Uh, the acting is great. The characters are great. I The way they handle things. So it's like this big silo, and you're like wondering, well, how are they going to tell this story? It's all these people. I mean, it's it's huge, like massive. It's like a hundred and – like it takes all day to get from the top to the bottom of it. So like it's like these big spiral staircases and like the some of the like mayor and executives and stuff are like – they're walking. When they walk down, they're like, you're going to talk to me because it just took me three hours to get down here. It's like that big. Is it claustrophobic kind of? It's almost more like uh, the the super city in Dread. Like it's actually pretty oh, wide open. Okay. It does not look like I pictured it when reading the book. I pictured it more like um, concrete, where you can kind of see the seams in it with like rusty like water lines on the wall, like like the outside of a dam maybe. Um, this is actually a little more molded, at least the way they they show it. So there's like certain there's certain rooms where almost have like. Like they poured uh, – there's a symbol on the wall that looks kind of like the uh, – what is it? The I think it's – I don't know if it's the Karolko logo from like the beginning of Terminator or if it's like one of the Terminator logos where it has like all like the lines like in like a hexagon. Uh, but it, you know, there's like symbols like that on the wall. But like as you're watching it, you're like, okay, they're stuck in this thing. There's some interesting stuff going on. But how is this going to like last for thing for a whole – series oh it's got um oh, what's her face uh oh, she was uh in the office uh for a while she was jim's other girlfriend rashida jones yes yeah she's in it um so anyway they do this this whole thing where like if you say you want to leave you're out like you have to go and you can't change your mind so she decides to leave and go out but when you go outside you have to clean off the camera like they, they're like, we can't force you to do it. They say this like whole thing. We can't force you to clean the camera, but it'll help all the people inside be able to see what's going on out there. So they clean the, you know, she cleans the camera. She goes and Fuck like those people, yeah, right. And she ends up like dying right in the view of the camera. Oh, so then, so then all these people just see this like person dead, and one and her husband is the main sheriff of the area, and he finally is like over it, and. Decides to go out too, and he's like, you know, I walk by this giant screen in the cafeteria, and I have to go before it's light out. I have to like I work extra hours because I don't want to walk by the screen seeing my dead wife out there. Um, but finally he so they're like wondering, well, how are they going to make a show of this? Because all of these main characters that are big name actors and stuff, um, are dying off. But there's something else to it. And what they do is they kind of cut back and forth in time where some of these, like, you might see the person's body there, but then it shows what she learned that made her want to go outside. So it's actually pretty, it's very interesting. There's a group of people called the uh, Judicial, and they're like, um, they're, they, they're kind of like, they actually look a little bit like the Matrix people, like they're all, they're wearing all black and stuff. But the leader, I think the leader of them is actually played by Common. And at least the first time you see him on screen, I didn't really realize it was him because, like, his eyes were pitch black. Like, they, the way they lit him, like, it just made his eyes look like they are sunk into nothingness. It was really cool. Uh, that, and the cinematography is just A-plus on this, the way they decide to show these people walking up this long ramp to go outside and do the cleaning and the way they show people living and dying. And, and, no, and you're not allowed to, like, 
talk about what was there before. It's like 130 years after whatever we – whatever civilization is. You can't have anything from the past. Like so you know, if you have a Pez dispenser, which literally is a thing, you could get kicked out into uh, – and you're like, okay, nope, sorry. You have to go. So, so there's something more to it. Um, I had my book stolen by the person that I'm wishing that I wish death on before, since I didn't finish that. Uh, yes, whoever stole my my kin- my Kindle stole that file. Right in hell. Yes. Um, and then the cop that came and blamed me for it. Like, did I smash my car window and take the thing that was hidden under the seat? No. Not my fault, dude. He can ride in hell too. Really? Yeah. The police officer who uh, was very put off by the fact that I had I made his three hundred and fifty pound frame climb out of his cop car on a on a summer day, <laughs> but so I would like to put him in a silo. But anyway, it's it's really 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 good. I'm gonna um, check it out. It's uh, you know I, the article I read about it that made me want, realize what it was uh, was said something it was like what premiere television is supposed to be. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they'll maybe have more seasons. Like my, this is actually, I believe the, assuming the writers come back. Yeah, true. This, this, I think it's actually written by the guy that wrote the books too. He was just a dude that like self-published on Amazon and it just took off. Like it's, it's funny cause it was right after uh, 50 shades of gray. So everyone's like, Oh, it's the next 50 shades of gray, but it's not, it's not about that. It's yeah. You're not getting spanked. You're it's post-apocalyptic goodness. Um, so a plus so far now we're, I think we got to go to air air. Yes. So air br- it is bring the pain. And, uh, and air I'm Alec. curious if this is, I'm curious if this is, uh, worth watching because uh, I mean, it seems it, the story is not something that I would think would make a great movie, but, but I mean, but it does. So, okay. so Air, which was released in the movie theaters on April fifth, came out the same day as this little film called Super Mario Brothers. I don't know if you guys heard of it, but uh, so it kind of got overshadowed there. But For the record, I called that movie being a billion dollar movie. The second I saw it, I'm like, this movie's going to make a shit ton of money. Uh, same here. Would be Air or Super Mario Super Brothers? Mario, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, it was that I movie. I saw was, the reaction. I yeah. saw the reaction in the theater, and I'm like, this movie is was exactly what kids needed right now. Agreed. Agreed. I saw it that opening uh, Friday, not the opening day, but Friday, and I felt the same way. But Air is directed by Ben Affleck, who's uh, also stars in it with Matt Damon, uh, Marlon Wayans. Uh, let's see who else: Chris Messina, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis. And Chris Tucker, amongst other people. And Air is the story of how Nike signed Michael Jordan. And what became probably one of the most influential business deals of all time. I don't think it's too much to say that, considering how big Nike is and how big the Jordan brand is. Yeah. And what they do is, they, and you know, if you think about it, some of the great movies are telling you a story where you know the ending. And it's just... Well, can you make it so that it's interesting to the to the viewer? And I think they do a great job with this. Um, it's an old-fashioned movie. It's good actors, actually great actors, having conversations, which we don't really get as much of these days. Uh, but it's about Matt Damon's character, Sonny Vaccaro. And what he is is kind of like a talent scout. And he's working for Nike, and he realizes that they should sign Michael Jordan. 
What is the problem? Michael Jordan has no interest in Nike. Um, I think he is, uh, and his character is an Adidas guy in the movie. He loves Adidas. Adidas was the cool shoe at the time. Nike was kind of the dorky shoe. It wasn't definitely used for basketball players. It was more for running and things of that nature. So there, at this point, Nike's actually an underdog, which is hysterical because they'll never be called an underdog again in their existence, but back then they were. And it's about his tenacity to try to sign Michael Jordan, but also it's about um, Michael Jordan's mother, uh, played by Viola Davis, and her her quest to bring in what's, what's needed for him, but also to give Michael a little bit more power than they were giving athletes in that day. Uh, you know, the part of it is, you know, is he going to get a percentage of the shoe deal, which is something that's commonplace now, but was not commonplace in 1984. So it's a really fun movie. It's got, it plays all the right beats. Ben Affleck plays Phil Knight, so he gets to kind of come in and out of the movie, play a little eccentric, you know, be entertaining. They smartly use Jason Bateman as one of the central figures of helping with everything. And he's, I don't know, he just fits perfectly into the movie. And he's somebody you can kind of root for. Obviously, Matt Damon is somebody that's easy to root for. And they smartly don't use Michael Jordan like don't they don't get some actor to play Michael Jordan? It's the the best way to to make a movie about Michael Jordan or to, uh, that has something to do with Michael Jordan is to not have somebody pretend to be Michael Jordan because it's going to take you out of the movie. There's only one Michael Jordan, um, and so I think they made the right move there. But the soundtrack is really good. I'm not just saying that because it's got a Born in the USA in it, which is an awesome song. But it's got a lot of great '80s needle drops which, you know, somebody of my age and our age probably appreciates. But they, they once again... Oh, I think he just called us old. I call myself old as well, so... I was going to say, I don't think he needed to. <laughs> but I... So so how do they get around this Michael Jordan thing? Uh, like, is it kind of like Seinfeld, where they had the back of, like, George Steinbrenner's head? It, it is something like that, but they don't... How they get around it is most of the movie is not with Michael Jordan in the movie. So that helps. But when they do have the scenes that he's in, you're absolutely correct. It's not, you don't see the front of Michael Jordan's face. You're seeing the back, you know, you're seeing that shadow. You know it's him, but it's not going to overpower the movie, which, once again, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. I'm a huge, I was a huge, I'm a huge basketball fan today as well, but back then, especially when Jordan played. And you're not going to be able to get somebody like me believing in a movie when they have when you hire some no-name actor to play Michael Jordan. It's just not going to work. Um, he has a charisma all his own, and God forbid they try to have somebody pretend to play basketball like him because that's not going to work either. So I, th- I think they it really works in that in that format. And there's just everybody in the movie is throwing 100. I mean, you know, they have Chris Tucker show up for a couple of scenes, and you remember how amazing he is. Viola Davis you know, is one of the best actors in the world, and she brings it. Matt Damon has got all his movie star wattage on full display. Ben Affleck, you know, you forget how good an actor he is, but when you when they just let him, you know, play and, and not have to be the star, he's always, I think, comes up even better. You know, Jason Bateman, Chris Messina plays David Falk, which is Jordan's agent, so it, this the scenes with him were great because David Falk is kind of notorious for being a bit of a dick. Um... And uh, Marlon Wayne shows up for a scene and does really well too. It's I I can't recommend this movie enough. It's my favorite movie that I've seen so far this year. Which I mean we're in the month of May, so you know maybe there'll be some better movies released. But 
Wow. I I love it. I think it's I think it's worth the watch. I think uh I like movies where dialogue is is intelligent and the cuts happen just correctly and they're going for the laughs where they work, but at the end of the day they just know they're making something good and it's hard for me to, like this is a movie that I feel if it was 20 years ago and it came on cable, you would just watch it every time it was on. And you know, that's how I think it'll be like I'll I'll probably go on Amazon Prime and watch it a couple of times. That, uh, yeah, I got to see that. I was I was excited about it. I just um, didn't get a chance. Also, I'm also kind of feuding with Ben Affleck because when I was in when I was in Boston, uh, there was a really good donut place around the corner from our hotel, uh, <laughs> in the north end of Boston, which is like the um, Italian side of Boston, and they have a really good donut place, which I forget the name of it, but. One day we were able to get Boston cream donuts from basically the place that invented it. Um, and the next day we went there and there was a sign on the door that said that the place was closed because they were filming a Ben Affleck movie there. Oh, uh, yeah. so then I was like, well, screw that. And then we went to the really ugly city hall in Boston, which I'm sure you've seen mm-hmm. the really, the really concrete looking one that's in uh, the part of, like with all the yes. weird st- Yeah. So we walked over there cause my child is, uh, has never seen a, playground that he doesn't want to play on and as we tried to get mine either yeah he all they're in a brand new playground next to that thing on the opposite side of where we were walking up from and we couldn't get to it because there there was a bunch of police cars everywhere and it looked like they were just all spread out and it looked like it was like a car show but it was actually blocked off because of the ben affleck movie so um i'm coming for you affleck (laughs) hey give him credit he's one of the few directors who's actually still Filming movies in particular locations as opposed to just making it all digital. True, true. Just like, it's, CGI. Always, it's always Vancouver or Georgia. Yeah, exactly. So. Cool. Well, uh, are you guys gonna try to? Are you guys gonna spoil Guardians of the Galaxy for me because I've not had a chance to see it? I'll let Rob be the judge. I well, it's hard I mean, not to. We may. All right, so that, I guess that brings us to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think Greg is going to step away so that we don't ruin anything for him, but the movie was actually released on May 5th of this year, 2023. It's directed by, of course, James Gunn, and we do have a couple of returning actors, uh, but we do have some new ones. Uh, oh, God. Chuck Woody Awuji, uh, Bradley Cooper, Palm Clementif. Dave Bautista, Karen Gillian, Vin Diesel, Austin Freeman, Stephen Blakehart, Terrence Rosemore, Maria Bakalova. Yeah, Maria Bakalova, Sean Gunn, Sarah Amali, Jasmine Munoz, Chris Pratt, of course, Gio, Giovanni Cruz, and Will Poulter. Zoe Saldana somewhere down the line, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they did their... They did alphabetical. They did it by order of appearance, I think. Oh, okay. So still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians, if not successful. So, uh, we went and saw this movie, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I don't know how you felt about it, Alec, but the the fact that they stepped back 
into the formula that has worked for them with so many Marvel movies in the past. And by that I mean they've gotten they got away from the over the top ridiculous in your face comedy, you know, every second of the movie that has plagued one or two of the movies that have come out recently. And they took it a little bit more serious. They used they used comedy to break the tension in some of the dramatic scenes. They upped the drama in a lot of the scenes, and they continued to give us just superb action sequences throughout the movie. And I really appreciated it. And, I mean, on its own, I don't know that this movie is a top five in the Marvel Universe. But when you consider this movie with the entirety of the Marvel Universe, meaning if you take into account all of the movies that have come before it, you recognize a lot of the emotional payoff that they've been setting up or that they've called back to. There's 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 a lot of callback in this movie that if you haven't seen the other ones, it's not going to hit as hard as if you have seen the other Marvel movies. And I love that. And that puts it over the top for me. I mean, this this could... I mean, I'd have to sit down and think about it, but this could easily be a top five Marvel movie for me. I I don't disagree. I loved it. I took my wife and kids to see it, and that's... My wife is not a huge Marvel fan, but for whatever reason, the Guardians movies have always spoke to her, and my kids enjoy those movies. So I, I think it's... What I love most about it was a lot of the Marvel movies... You, you're right. Some of it, they try to do too much. On top of it, they're always trying to world build. And so you're watching a movie that's also a preview for something that's going to come out next year. Right. Or, And honestly, I can I can do without that most of the time. Uh, what I love about the Guardians movies is they're contained <clears throat> for the most part. They, yeah, and I, I forget which one it was recently that, that felt like it was just a setup for the next movie. And I was like, this is... This is just a commercial. I think I think Wakanda Forever has some of that in it. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, Ant Man. I from what I hear, Ant Man Quantumania is a big culprit that, of that. That's what it was. That was the yeah. one that I saw recently. That I was like, this is yeah. just a commercial for her standalone movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's a lot. It's a really. Um, I think the James Gunn is a is a secret ingredient. I guess maybe not so secret ingredient to the movie when they initially fired him off of this because of some BS uh, mm-hmm. earlier and, you know, a few years ago, I was like, well, that's it. I'm not going to see Guardians movie. He's not directing it. And um, it's his story. It's his baby. He's treated it with care. He, you can tell he cares about every single character. In fact, the only character I think it's short shrift in the franchise is Gamora because they sacrificed her for the Avengers storyline, which I've never been as happy with. Cause I think it, it just messes up the Guardians a little bit. I think the Guardians trilogy is, in my opinion, the best standalone trilogy Marvel has. Um, you know, because Captain America has uh, three. I was I was gonna say Captain America is a real strong, it, real it strong is. trilogy because both both two and three are probably among my favorite Marvel movies. Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel movie, and and Civil War is mine. Okay, and I think the first, I think those would be the two that would fight it out. What I like best about Guardians is it's just Guardians. 
Civil War turns into an Avengers movie uh, to fair. a point. But I don't, and I, to be fair, I, I like it. I don't dislike the movie. But mm-hmm. Guardians works. It's about these damaged individuals and creatures that together, you know, find their value in each other and in what they're doing. And like this movie takes it to the next level by showing you Rocket and showing you how his story came to be. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then on top of it, uh, it, it gives closure to other characters that I feel, you know, I, I thought for sure he was going to kill somebody off. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that instead he gave them stories that conclude a lot of characters arc, but without having to resort to, let me just kill somebody for the sake of killing them, which I think has plagued Marvel a little bit too. Uh, even like in, I don't know that some of the Avengers deaths needed to happen, but I really, I, I, I don't know where it stands. I don't think it's a top five Marvel movie, but it's close. Mm-hmm. I think it's really close. And, it's the I, I haven't even been to the theater to see a Marvel movie since Spider Man. Like I still haven't seen Ant Man. I'm gonna wait till it's on yeah, Disney you're, Plus. You're not missing much. Well, I, I I listened to you guys talk about it, so it helped me make my decision. But I didn't go see Wakanda Forever or Thor or uh, Doctor Strange, and I don't regret any of those choices. I mm-hmm. like some of those movies, but for the most part, I'm kind of in agreement with what you've seen from the box office, which is. That some of these Marvel movies, they're losing their luster just a little bit. I think this movie, on the other hand, I was so glad I got to see it that opening weekend. I loved every needle drop. I loved the humor in it. I loved the seriousness of it. I thought it had some moments that generally hit, hit had you. had some really emotional punches going on yes. in this movie. I mean, it, I, I've talked with a couple of friends who said that they were pretty much moved to tears at certain parts. I mean, I, I was close, but no, there was no, uh, there were no I, I, tears on my end, but I can definitely see it because it was, I, I had some in my, I, the, every single Guardians movie has made me cry at some point. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's just, for whatever reason, uh, it speaks to me and this movie was no different. My wife looked over at me at one point and she knew I would be crying and sure enough I was. Um, and I don't get like that all the time but these these movies kind of bring it out of me but it's a movie that i look forward to watching again i think it reminds us why chris pratt can still be a movie star he is really good when the role is right mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna miss like i love dave bautista in these movies he he cracks me up yes uh, you know i think uh and palm Clementov, i don't know if i'm saying her but she is so good in this movie as mantis mantis she's got some of the best uh, character development and nebula is amazing karen jillian amazing Mm -hmm. uh i mean everybody's great obviously i i I really feel like gamora got the short end of the stick here she did she did and i think it it pissed me off in 2018 when infinity war came out and so like they just killed a guardian just to make this movie progress and i don't think they needed to go that route and they never and i don't like how it was resolved with her because it like i didn't feel any emotion at the end when you see her back with the ravagers i just didn't feel anything Mm -hmm. um so i agree with you it sucks because she's a humongous part of the guardians movies and all of a sudden be having to fit her in differently because of a decision they made on a separate film seems kind of you know fucked up uh, in all honesty but other than that, I feel like um, it, it was great. And the villain, the main villain, I don't want to try to pronounce the name. I know you already tried, and you probably did better than I would do. But the he, high evolutionary, the high evolutionary, 
one of the best Marvel villains I think of all time. At least in my opinion, he was like I hated him. I really hated him, but yet I was intrigued by him, which I think is important. He he was he was solid. He was solid. He was a little unhinged. Um, I mean, I still I still I still say that Michael Keaton's portrayal of the Vulture is one of the best ones. Oh, I I, I don't yeah. disagree. He was the first. He he was probably the first villain. Maybe that was the same year that um, Kurt Russell was the villain in Guardians. I was like, oh wow, they're really doing something different. And now these villains are going to mean something because you know the, even the first Guardians is kind of plagued a bit by the villain being a little bit, eh. But um, I I do think that yeah, Michael Ronan. Keaton, yeah, I mean, he, only because we know that he's not even the the biggest or toughest in the galaxy. Right. But Michael Keaton was, I mean, he was amazing. So I don't disagree. I, and I thought we were going to get more of him somewhere down the line, you know, but that never really happened. I I think eventually we are going to get that, but. We might have to wait a little bit because uh, Sony's uh, effing with it and messing it up. And, As always, <laughs> yeah. Sony needs to stop screwing up the uh, the Marvel universe because they don't know how to do it right. They need to just let Marvel make the movies and they just sit back and collect, you know, royalties it, on it. I think you're absolutely right, but I think uh, you're you hit the nail on the head. This is this is one of the best in a very long time. Uh, I hope it gets uh you know i guess it holds its audience well because it deserves to be a big hit it, it's, it is, it's definitely the best marvel movie we've seen in the last couple of years i think so i i, I think I'd, i i think i'd even I, I might put no way home above it but not by a ton you know and, yeah and that's because like i said i didn't even have the urge to go to see a marvel movie in the theater until this one uh for, for over 18 months but uh, this was it was worth it. Uh, everyone that I went with loved it, and you know it's not always easy to please different people. But this movie did that, and on top of it, you know, just because I'm me, I have to bring this in there. They, the last song you hear in the Guardians universe is a Bruce Springsteen song. It's in the end credits, and it's yep. awesome. But the whole soundtrack, I, I, I loved it. I loved it, and uh, I like where they leave everybody for the outside of Gamora. I really, and I thought that the last. Did you say for the whole credits? I did. So the last thing you see is, you know, Star-Lord will return. So they even keep that open for his character. Right. But it's just for him because the Guardians are done. I think, that, yeah, I, I honestly. I, now, you have... I mean, we could we could probably see because there's two there's two end credit scenes, by the way. There's mm -hmm. one there's one like mid credits and then there's one at the very end. Um, but the mid credit scene shows a basically a newly formed Guardians team. Correct. But. I don't think anybody's going to go see that movie. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't. I don't know that it'll have that draw. Um, now, they the movie itself really kind of centers around Rocket and his backstory, and it was it was actually really interesting to see a lot of. I liked a lot of the flashbacks that we got from Rocket. Uh, regarding you know where he came from and what happened and how he was involved with the high evolutionary, mm -hmm. I thought it was. It, it also leads to the most gut wrenching scene in in the movie, and honestly, one of the most gut wrenching scenes I've seen in a long time. Uh, you know when you uh, mean during the escape. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, wow. Yeah, that was that was tough to watch, but I thought it. It made perfect, and you kind of knew it had it had to be that way. He he's Rocket Raccoon. He's not a member with uh, you know these other animals, mm -hmm. but still, it was a. 
I loved it. And it was nice. You know, normally you wouldn't get any insight on that character. Instead, you get to really understand why he is the way he is. Yeah. And I remember the other scene that, that got me was the scene with Grandpa. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I was like, oh. oh. That, it, that, and, you know, I always wonder. They never, they never mentioned him again. And I always wondered if that was going to come back into play. And uh, I loved how they brought it back. I really did. Yeah. And and like I said, there there was a lot in this movie that that brought back things that have been mentioned or things that you've seen in previous movies, and that's what that's what I'm talking about, like with the emotional payoff, where it's like, oh, oh God, okay, yeah, there's that, and oh, and then there's this, and oh, that's because of this, yeah. There's mm-hmm. if you, I, I mean, I don't want to ruin too much of it, but there there's there's a lot of references to previous movies. And, yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I, I was telling somebody that if you don't like the other Guardians movies, don't don't see this. Right. It's not yeah. gonna, it's not gonna, it's not going to change your opinion. But if, if you have enjoyed the Guardians movies, you're going to enjoy this. There's no way around it. it they're all connected. And <laughs> and some some of the uh, some of the comedy uh, with uh, Cosmo. Yes, it, the joke got old, but I laughed every time they said it. Every time it came around, I was like, oh, "Okay." And you knew it was going to come into play in an important scene, and it sure enough did, and it worked just great. Yeah, it, it it really did. They they played it just long enough, and then they and then they capped it off. You know, I was like, "Oh man," that's... and and the the reason it's funny is because it's you know the Cosmo is a is a is a telekinetic telepathic dog or whatever. And is is a freaking hero, and still has the mindset of a puppy. And it's yes. like, oh, it's it's so adorable. I I love, I loved the character of Cosmo, um, and and actually I love I I liked Craglin, and and Craglin's yeah. big uh big breakthrough during the movie. And Agreed. you know I'm calling it out. I'm like, oh, here's the here it is. Put up or shut up. Let's go. You know, exactly. Yeah. Every beat works. Every beat works. Just, just a great movie. And, and also a movie. And this is, it's been a while since I've said this, but definitely a movie worth seeing in the theater. 100% agree. And, Uh, and I would even say this movie is worth paying primetime money to see it. Going to the theater on a Friday night, Saturday night. Paying full price for the theater, hell, even go see it in IMAX. I, I mean, this this movie was was just beautiful, visually beautiful. Yeah, and it warrants seeing it on the big screen. It does. I like I said, I, first time I had seen a Marvel movie on the big screen since Spider Man No Way Home, and I was very happy that we that we did that. We sat in the theater. I paid the extra. The, well, it was a matinee on a Sunday, so I didn't go crazy but it was when we could do it but it was perfect and um uh i don't drag my kids to everything because it's not always fun to take the kids to the movies but they were enthralled the whole time yeah so definitely a great movie i recommend going to see it it is it is worth every penny going to see it in the theater agreed let's let rob know that we're good to go Oh, I know we're good to go. We're trying to get Greg, Greg back. I'm Greg. I meant Greg. My it's God. all right. <laughs> you, you get one of these.
There it is. <laughs> nice. Button. I've always wanted that. No problem. Uh, so, how was that? How'd that go for you guys? It's good. It without me saying inane stuff about raccoons. It was um, a serious and thoughtful conversation about a wonderful movie that you would have just fouled up with your fart sounds. Um, I hate that there's a pause before that. I hit that far earlier than it sounded. Uh, Okay, well, um, we actually did a top five for this because we didn't know what our top five was going to be. It's hard after like, you know, 200 and something. Actually, it's a little over 300 episodes if you count side A's and side B, side A's and side B. So it's kind of hard coming up with questions, but um, thanks to Alec over there talking about Michael Jordan not being seen in that movie all that much or at least seen from behind um that actually reminded me of a question that i put in our potential future questions chat Mm -hmm. uh in the it's the uh, private part of the patron only chat become a patron you get to chat with us um which is it's interesting just how many naked pictures of omar he posts in there i know it's weird yeah i've gotten used to it yeah i mean it's it's uh it's a benefit for some people and a, uh, the bane of other people's existence. But that's up to you guys out there to decide. Yeah. So anyway, we um, had a question in there that was uh, all about uh, characters that you do not ever see. You can see like parts of them, an arm, a leg. Uh, you might hear them through a closed door, that kind of thing. People might talk uh, about them. Yeah, they'll talk about them. but you So you don't even actually have to hear them, but you never see their face. Uh, so that is the question. The top five characters... Where uh, in movies and or TV, where you never see their actual face, um, I'm gonna go first because I'm, you know, you guys just talked a lot, so you can mm-hmm. you can hydrate, uh, do whatever it is you need to do. Uh, Rob, put your pants back on. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my honorable mention, I'm gonna go with Wilson in Home Improvement. Honorable mention because you see half of his face, and I, I think they actually did a gag at some point where you saw his face. Possibly, I don't know. It was a while ago since I watched all of the Home Improvement series. Uh, my number five is going to be Maris from uh, Frasier, and that is Niall's uh, ex-wife, I believe. And he talks about her all the time, but you never actually see her on the show. Uh, number four, the Blair Witch from yeah. Blair Great Witch. <laughs> the Blair Witch from Naked Gun. No, the Blair yeah. Witch from the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wouldn't put it past them to have put the Blair Witch in there. Uh, never actually see her, hear about her a lot, see the results. But And even if you do see her, the camera's uh, all over the place, so you might, you'd probably miss her anyway. Uh, so that's number four. Uh, number three, we're going to go with uh, Mrs. Othmar, which is the teacher from Peanuts. Uh, you mm-hmm. can also do any adult in Peanuts, which is kind of the point. So that's my number three. Number two... I'm going to go with the baby from Rosemary's Baby. It's kind of at the end, or it is at the end. Uh, so you, you never actually see the baby, but it's definitely one, it's there for you know the reaction on her face is the shock value. It's the it's the punchline, so to speak, of the movie. So there's that. Uh, but number one, we're going Miss Wallowitz, uh, Howard Wallowitz's uh, mom from Big Bang Theory. Uh, she you heard her through the door. You never actually saw her and. Apparently, everyone loved the actress that played her, and when she passed away during filming, they had to, of course, bring that to the story. Um, the overbearing mother of Howard, uh, 
Mrs. Wallowitz is my number one character you never actually see. Now you two can fight it out. Your call, Rob. Um, you're the guest. I'll let you go last. Okay. Oh, you cool. will. You will end the show for us. Um, I do have a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I've got uh, Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget because you never see his face, and Nanny from The Muppet Babies, which you know I watched as a kid. Um, I was a little bit older kid, but you know we still watched Muppet Babies. Um, my number five is actually going to be from a show that I didn't watch too much of, but, you know, it was it was a running gag in the show, and that's Ugly Naked Guy from Friends. <laughs> yes. Um, at number four, I'm going to put uh, the, the Mrs. Othmar from The Peanuts. At number three, I'm... I'm going to put someone who has talked about a lot. Talked about a lot by one character, and you never see that character. You know what I mean, Vern? Yeah. And that's Vern from any Ernest project ever. Who was Vern supposed to be? I have no idea. Just a funny name, I think. I I think Vern was like his friend or something. My number two, I I love love Mrs. Wallowitz, and I want to put Mrs. Wallowitz at number one, but I think I'm going to put Mrs. Wallowitz at number two because my number one is going to be from a TV show that I grew up watching. And I always wondered, and, you know, the, the character that you never saw was a bully. Specifically, Arnold's bully from Different Strokes, and that's the Gooch. Oh. Sure. Nicely done. For, forgot about that. So did I. I had a hard time with that show because I think the first episode I watched was the like child molester episode. Oh. Oh, well. That's not a good start. No, no. Where it was like, and then it made me believe that every ad- adult stranger was going to try to kidnap me. Uh, well, that's 80s. probably a good belief. <laughs> yeah. It kept you away from adult strangers. It's true. And yet I still talk to you. Yeah, nobody's stranger than me. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll go. Um, so initially I was going to have Deep Throat, but I realized you do see his face. You just don't know who he is, so he doesn't count. So my honorable mention is Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. Um Number five, I have the nanny from Muppet Babies. All you saw was her legs and, she, you know, stockings and feet. Uh, number four, George Steinbrenner from Seinfeld. You never actually see him. You just hear him, and I think they show his shadow. Number three, Urkel's parents from Family Matters. Oh, yeah? Oh. Never see them. You just have this crazy kid, but never see the parents. Uh, number two, uh, I this is one I put pretty high up there, just like Rob is Vern. Um, I love the Ernest movies. I still don't know who the hell Vern is. And then number one for me is the Peanuts characters, um, whether it be Miss Othmar or any parents. I just love the fact that you never see adults and you can't make out what they're saying. I think that's They perfect. have their own language, yep. Yep. That's it for me. Another honorable mention would be uh, Tom's Owners from Tom and Jerry. Yes, yes. What was your number three, Alec? Uh, Urkel's Parents. 
Urkel's parents. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, Family Matters also has that other wheel weird uh, third sister that you never saw. Disappeared. Again. Yeah, she. Yeah, she. She the last. Yeah, she went upstairs at the end of one season and she never was seen again. So she's her rotting corpse is likely still in the upstairs bedroom. And nobody ever went to the check on her, which is kind of weird. But you know. never mentioned again. No, don't don't go look up what's happened to her since. <laughs> oh, really? The actress? Yeah. Oh, bad things. Definitely not positive things. Oh dear! I will now. I have to do it. But yeah, I'll I'll be doing that later this evening. <laughs> um. Well, hopefully she's okay. If she's still alive, she's still alive. I think. Okay, that's good. Well, may, I wish her health. Uh. So, uh, contact information, uh, Omar. Omar. And it's just as effective. It's exactly the same. That's why I did that. Thank you for <laughs> for catching that. Uh, guys, uh, help the show. You can uh, like us, uh, subscribe to us, review us, any of that stuff on any of the podcast uh, things out there. Um, it really helps. Uh, you can check out a bunch of different stuff on GiveMe5Podcast.com. You can uh, buy fun t-shirts and things at GiveMe5Podcast.Threadlist.com. Uh, we have some fun stuff up there. Uh, which i got to check that. Rec- I haven't checked it in a while. There's probably new new products I can add. So I will do that as soon as I get a chance. Um, you can, of course, also check us out, uh, Give Me Five Pod, on Instagram every time you hear me saying the word five. It is the word five. It is not the number five. Uh, but And you can also check us out on uh, Facebook. Just look up Give Me Five Podcast, and I will occasionally uh, be you know post random stuff that I find interesting and that I think that the people that would actually listen to the show would also find interesting. So that's what you can do to help us out. Oh, the thing. I was gonna say the thing after the side B episode. <laughs> oh, we're gonna. Do, oh, yeah. So we there will be a side B episode coming up. Uh, we are going to review, uh, per Alex's request, the Golden Child, which I have never seen. The Chosen One. Yes. So Eddie Murphy, I love Eddie Murphy. Actually, no, I have seen The Golden Child. I just haven't seen it in a long time. It was one of my freebie movies when I worked at Blockbuster. And this but, is yeah. a movie that my brother and I fondly remember. Because we still we still do the joke from that movie. The I I I I, uh, I want the knife. Want the knife. We Please. still do that. Yes. Yeah. It's once you do that, you, you can't stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, we will uh, be reviewing that at some point in the next week or so, uh, and have a fun little side B episode, which we haven't had a chance to do because, uh, well, quite frankly, because I'm the one that does all the editing, and I'm already uh, spend several hours a week doing editing. Fair enough. Uh, if you want to, uh, yeah, if you listeners out there want to edit a podcast for free, by all means, reach out. Well, thanks, guys. We'll see you in just a little bit with that Side B episode. And as you always say, watch The Golden Child. Watch The Golden Child. Watch The Golden Child. Do it that way.